0: You can design, you know, something that can work for both parties. But look, at the end of the day, it's is all about trust to begin with. You know, mm. it doesn't matter what economics gonna you're gonna be sharing between two of you or three of you. You know, it's just in the future, right? It's now. It's uh, how to make things work in you and your partner because you're gonna you're gonna partner with them for the next ten years. You're basically married for the next ten years, right? And yeah. what else, what do you have? All we have is trust.
1: Hold that thought. Ever wondered what unicorns eat for breakfast? Okay, so I don't actually know, but I do know that 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot. And for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support. Plus, they have a huge collection of resources to help startups scale. And with the HubSpot for Startups program, you can save big off your first year. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot, visit hubspot.com startups. Welcome to Billion Dollar Moves, the show for the top founders, funders, and execs making billion-dollar moves that are shaping our future. From the growing pains of a unicorn journey to IPO, the question of impact, purpose, and returns, we go real deep in the world of venture and business. I'm your host, Sarah Chen Spellings. Before we hop in here, I have a quick favor to ask you. Smash that follow button wherever you're tuning in from. This way, you'd be the first to know of new episodes that drop. And of course, please tell your friends so we can amplify more stories built on Grid in U.S. and Asia venture ecosystem, and that we can all keep making billion-dollar moves together. Now, let's get started. Today, I have a good friend with me, a fellow Malaysian who has been uh, making some billion-dollar moves in making Malaysia and the startup scene, what it is today. I'm so excited to bring on my friend, JB, as he's known, Jamaluddin Bujang. JB, how are you?
0: Good, thank you. How's it going with you over there in, uh, in D.C., I guess, yeah?
1: Yes, yes. Things are good. I am starting my day with a conversation with you. So I am uh, in a good space. I'm in a good space. Always love talking to you. So JB, (laughs) really want to get going here uh, with, you know, the first order of business as usual in Billion Dollar Moves, which is to really understand uh, your personal journey. You started Malaysian Boy, decided to become a sell-side analyst, work with investment banks for a while, and then Mm -hmm. eventually, you know, um, led MathCap and sort of built the VC space to what it is today in a significant way. Many may not know that. So talk to us a little bit, you know, was this always a childhood dream to be in, in finance and was VC something that you knew okay.
0: back then? Where do I start? Okay, maybe I just start from from in my, when I was small. Um, I was I come from a family of, uh, there are five of us, five brothers and sisters. Actually, I was born in Singapore Four of us was born in Singapore, and uh, my youngest uh, brother was born here in, in, in Malacca uh, when my father moved from Singapore to, to Malaysia back in 1971. And then I uh, went to study to the U.S. Um, in Kansas, of, uh, of all places. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been to Kansas yourself? well? Not yet. Not yet, So I went to Kansas to study, actually, uh, aeronautical engineering to, to, you know, uh, to start there. So i started, I started off with that, but after a while, I found out that I'm not very much inclined to engineering and technical stuff, so halfway through, I switched my course to 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 study uh business, and I learned so much, and I don't have a background at all in doing business, accounting, economics, uh, from there, but uh, i I did quite well because I think it you know uh, i I enjoyed it so much, I enjoyed the class, I liked the theories and all that so finally i I, I went through. Uh, so graduated in 1988 uh, from uh, from from the US. Came back to Malaysia uh, in, t- in 1988 and started working since then. 89. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you asked about uh, whether this all planned or not. Actually, it wasn't planned at all. Uh, you know, as a young you know young graduate with economics degree, with bit of uh, you know knowledge in banking and finance, and I thought, well, yeah, I want to work in a bank. And banking was hot back then, right? And uh, I didn't really get to work in a bank, actually, after applying so many times. And um, hmm. about one year after that, I saw the advertisement looking for, for analysts in a, in a stockbroking company. Right. So I said, okay, let's give it a try. I never thought of well, then doing analysts. I probably have some background studying finance and all that cool, school. But let's try being analyst. I applied, and uh, they took me, and I did quite well. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the job, really. I really enjoyed being analyst, hmm. financial analyst. And in fact, I was doing, um, my job as an analyst lasted for easily like 15 years, wow. you know. Yeah, you know, I've, of course, I worked from one place to another, but still doing uh, analyst work. So that's the, how we started off from, you know, from school, and you know, became an analyst. And then a bit of background on the, uh, you know, how I started off in BFCAP. I was with uh, investment bank until uh, 2005, and my my ex colleague uh, well joined a, a joined a VC company, uh, which is a you know a subsidiary of Kazana. And after he joined, he wants to take new people in. And then one day, he just called me. Hey, so look, both of us have been around investment bank for so long. Why don't you know? I've been a plunge, and what do you do the same thing? Uh, join me, and uh, you know, help me. You know, do this stuff, and I said, okay, good. It's about time as well. I think after doing 50, the same job for fifteen years, interesting, no right. doubt. Um, you know, um, I said, yeah, let's take a plunge, and uh, you know, join him to work in a in a VC setup. So I joined him. I at first I started off as a I'm looking after the the corporate services, as they call it. You know, right. that looking after the you know legal, finance, sectarial, whatever which is not investment at all. And the mm. reason I want to do that is not because I don't like to do investment, but that's because, you know, in the past, I've had enough experience in investment, I thought, so I think it's probably time to do something else, right? Uh, mm. So it's good. So I was doing that for, for three years and then the CEO changed and the new CEO came in and said, hey, look, I'm looking for someone to head the, the investment department rather than taking, some, taking someone new. Right. Since I know you and you have the background from inside, or you just take over. So... So I moved to doing investment again in in, hmm. uh, in that company. It's called MTDC. So I was doing finance for three years and um, uh, in, at the end of 2011, uh, Mefcap, uh, I, got, I, got, I got a call from my friend in Mefcap and they said, hey, you know, MathCap looking for, for a CEO. We didn't have a CEO for, for the last what, six or seven months and they're still looking. And they called, do you know anyone who wants to apply for a job? I said, why don't you apply? I said, I never thought I wanted to become a CEO. and never crossed my mind because, hmm. you know, I thought, I just want to be a head of division. Let's say you know, um, you know, big CEO is not easy. I know that. And I said, no, 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 no. You just uh, you know, uh, update your resume. Just give it to me. You know, after all, they're looking for three at least three applications, right? I said, okay, okay. I'll. If it's a favor I do it to you. And then uh, not long after that, the the, the board called, the board called me up and said, hey, you know, uh, we have a we have a vacancy here. We want to we want to consider you to you know to come in as a, as a CEO. And um, we said. You know, we also interviewing other people. Um, will 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 we'll debate on I think they decided about they took about two three months to decide for me wow. to appoint me as a CEO in in MathCap. Uh I'm quite familiar with MathCap at that time, their role, what they do, and all that because I come from the same uh, same line, right? And uh, when they offered me a job as a as a CEO, I said. I, I was thinking twice because i i want to stay on at ntdc because i want to do something else i want to stay on with that company doing the new things i guess feel you know, having to say okay let's just take a plunge anyway let's try again for the second time right so i did it jamal if I, if I may yeah.
1: pause you a second a couple mm-hmm. of things you know as you're as you're telling this story um first mm-hmm. of all when you went into corporate services because you wanted to do something different you know some people mm-hmm. would view that as oh you know it's corporate services it's a support role. It's it's not that glamorous yeah. compared to investing. And you've right. been in investing for 15 years. Was there not yeah. that sense of ego that you had to reshift? You know, how, how did you think about that? Was it sort of you wanted to know the nuts and bolts? What was the thinking there for you to first make that step?
0: Yeah, good question. question. Actually, I asked that myself. But I think, you know, mm. I, I can't think of doing investment, investment, investment. And I I, will, I was asking myself, do you really want to do the investment until the end of the, until you retire? Uh, why don't you try something new as well? And I thought, is Good idea as well, also because you never know the next time and next stage of your growth. You know, you want to make yourself more well-rounded, right? As you as you climb the corporate ladder, right? Which I think that was a good decision. So now, when I become a CEO of mefcap I know how finance do their work, uh, the, the problems that's faced by the corporate services, by the corporate com, by you know any other all other departments which i used to look after, right? So it, it really helped me. It really helped me when, when I became a CEO of uh, of mefcap.
1: Interesting. And then, you know, going back to your MathCap story, you said, I never imagined myself as a CEO. Where where does that come from? The the fact that you never identified yourself in that uh, leadership position?
0: No, it's, uh, I, I'm very well aware of, you know, the problems the CEO face. You know, I've been like in that company as a number two. Oh, of course, there are a few other number twos as well. I'm just one of the number twos there, right? And you yeah. can imagine, I, I can see, I observe, you know, I, I, I love to help the CEO doing his job, uh, executing his uh, orders, and executing departmental uh, objectives and all that. But being CEO, yeah, it's a totally different Game altogether, you are dealing with the shareholders, the board, the and then this with the of government official, officials as well, and so many things. You're not, you know, when I look at that, I said, Since I left this job, I'll do this thing rather than dealing with other things which got nothing to do with, you know, real work. You know, what I'm saying, So that's that's how I see it. So that's that's the reason why I don't want to become a CEO actually to begin with. But you know, as you move. Run stage another. Mm. There's always someone poking you from behind. Say, hey, you know, try something new. Try it. just you never know. You know. So yeah, that's what I did.
1: So what, what did you learn from your chapter in MathCap? I mean, you clearly were doing a good job if you were renewed for a few times. Oh. Um mm-hmm. and want to also hear you know particularly from the LP perspective, right? Um, mm-hmm. Now you decided okay, let's work with funds, and you actually created co GP models. I e, you worked mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Uh, fund managers. As mm-hmm. you know, a, an equal depending on the share entity to help run those funds as well, and, and be in. Mm-hmm. For some, you're a quiet investor, so limited partner investor. For some, you took mm-hmm. a more active role. Talk to us a little bit about what you learned in that chapter as an LP in building funds in a nascent market.
0: The, the funny thing about working for JLC is, you know, the COS they they give you only two two year uh, term. And right, so a a government-linked
1: company, yeah.
0: You know? Know, you know they renew you every two years and that that can be negative, you know if you really think about it. Uh, you know there's no CEO wants to work for two years right That's because like uh, but thank God they, they they renewed I think in my case three times. So I lasted about seven years in MathCap. In fact, I was the longest. Uh, you know, compared to the previous three CEOs. Um right. Uh, again, thank you. You know, thank you for that. Uh, because we managed to execute things that we wanted to do. Now on the partnership and all that. Uh, with LPs. Okay, MathCap is also not only we, we do direct investment, back, uh, back then we also an LP also having partnership with all these uh, VCs, right? You, you know, MathCap. If you look at it carefully, it is. We are. We should, our role should be an LP to begin with. Our job is actually to grow the industry. We create more VCs, invite them to come over to Malaysia if they, they haven't come yet. And in so doing, there will be more capital available for the Malaysia market. Because no other VCs will do that, right? Uh, whether you are private or government. That's what we should do. Uh, I think we've, we've done done well in that, uh, in that sense. Now, when we go out and try to work with other VCs, well, you know, uh, there are a few of them. Five hundred, the founding startups, one of them. Uh, of course, Gobi and the Alex Capital and all that. And we expect them to raise money from outside of Malaysia. And like Gobi First, of all, they raise money from other sources from China, you know, and Alexa they raise from from the US, and 500 also raise from US as well as from Malaysia as well. And those money that they raise from Malaysia, are the the money that we will we won't be able to raise it ourselves, even though we're in Malaysia, right? So again, so it's good. I think it complements uh math uh, cap strategy, and we give a lot of freedom to the. To the you know to the VCs to manage their own ways or doing different so long as they comply with certain guidelines of so long as it falls within certain expectation from FCA you know it's like certain percentage of investments must be Malaysian companies uh you can invest the rest uh, outside outside Malaysia because you no know, technology is borderless right good companies mm-hmm. can start from any you know any country and they can just come here and become number one so you want to invest that country rather than investing in Someone doing the same thing, but it's basier, but it's not good enough to compete,
1: right? Yeah. So if if I may uh, dive a little bit deeper here, you know, you've you've played quite mm-hmm. a significant role in building some of these funds, right? To set up, to understand the market, you know, beyond just capital. Mm-hmm. I think uh, sometimes you don't give yourself enough credit, but it it you know you you help to facilitate a lot of these yeah. funds in the early days when, frankly, uh, people didn't even know what what there there was no template to follow, right? In building Axiata, yeah. uh, Gobi, yes. so on and so forth, to actually decide even. Gobi which is uh, 1.2 billion and now you're with them and we'll shift to that a little bit Uh, but they still have a strong headquarters in Malaysia and are investing into Malaysia years later so so talk to us a little bit about your role as an LP what have you learned in observing these funds like what were the early mistakes they made what were the good stuff that they discovered to be able to grow to this stage
0: you know it's funny you know um, you are local you are someone here already in this environment and you've been there for years and years, sometimes you don't see things the way other people look at uh, at things, you know, and this is where all this uh, managers have the advantage over us, right? Um, I mean, Gobi before that has done investments in in China. They have gone through since two thousand two, making investments in China, investing at exactly the same company that they had in China then uh, here. So they already get that learnings, which they can only import and apply. And you know, they 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 can sort of expect the sort of problems that may arise because. That's what it happened in China. Uh, the same thing with other funds as well. 500 is very good at this. 500 has invested by the, time, by the time I left, I think they have done about, what, more than 1,000 invest. No, no, I think... Yeah, more than a thousand investments already by the time. So imagine all the data or information that they have on 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 founders, on companies, on sectors, a um, whole lot of things which they 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 have, and then you can apply on on the machine market, right? So they have a better idea; they have advantage over local managers in you know, in, in picking up companies. So we learn a lot. Um, there's a lot of things that MathCap learn from these people. And in fact, that one of the one of the things that we want to make sure that all this transfer of technology and wow, knowledge or rather uh, coming to MathCap is, you know, we, we want them to, we, we do secondment of staff into some of these companies. You know, uh, we, we mm. still have secondment staff in, in Godi from MathCap, And sometimes we participate in the IAC as uh, non-voting members. We do that. Uh, some mm-hmm. voting, some some fun is non-voting. So we learn a lot, and um, we refer deals to them, and we go and uh, bring the deals together with them. We discuss, and they need they need math uh, uh, expertise as well because they want to know: Have you met this guy before? What do you think? You know, have you? Can... So we can do that, which they don't, right? And. Um, yeah. So that's, and, you know, having MathCap as part of the LP, right, uh, it gives an advantage as well because now, and the list of LPs in that fund, there's one nation government entity as as an LP. So it gives a lot of, you know, uh, comfort to other LPs when I put money into the fund. So it's mm. actually very symbiotic um, relationship. It benefits MathCap as well as you know uh, to to the managers. You know, this is a case where one plus one equal to three or more. Right? It's yeah. not one point plus two. So so it works. It's been working. So I don't reason why it shouldn't work at other places. As
1: well. Yeah, and and I want to um, you know this angle is an int- is interesting because you know we're we're working a lot with LPs right now as well, and mm-hmm. there's a whole. Group of emerging managers, right? New GPs yeah. that are coming into play and not many would have the benefit of nascent markets as well. You know, the the I'm looking at some saturated, I guess developed markets now, where we may not have, you know, the similar government support as as Malaysia, Singapore, many other Southeast mm-hmm. Asia countries had, right? So what mm-hmm. for for the managers that are listening in, new managers, uh, what would you say are the top three qualities that you've seen over the years that you've been in business uh, as an LP, picking funds, working with funds that really stands them out for
0: the, the 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 managers um, first of all you need the experience right um, I mean, I'm just trying to relate what Gobi and five hundred has gone through they, in their own little ecosystem they they have learned a lot they have gone through all they've made mistakes. Uh, and these are sometimes not small mistakes. Like Gobi, for example, they have been sued few times, uh, and we've won all those. Uh, you want you, you won all, all, uh, all, all, all cases according to Tom uh, back in China. Um, so we learn. We, we, you, you, you must be able to learn, and that is the asset that you have. That if you want to work with potential LPs, uh, and as LPs want to view you as someone who has the experience and you have gone through all that, you understand your certain, you know. The, the the expertise that you are you you are good at, you know, at certain physical. let say you are a GP with strength in e-commerce, for example, you know, mm-hmm. then you should become a master in e-commerce. Um, if you're in AI, you must be very focused and really understand in AI. Uh, same thing. So LPs can, because they they choose many GPs, right? And they will want to pick they don't want a general list because they have so many choices of generalists out there, right? And I if I have uh, if I'm an LP I want to choose 10 funds, I want to give one allocation for AI, one allocation for logistics, one location, allocation for future commerce, so many other things, right? Rather than give it to 10 generalists. So if you are if you are if you're a GP, that you should build expertise within your, uh, you know, you know, you're you're very familiar with.
1: You know, there's always a question of is that attributable track record first of all, and number two is also you know the fact that uh, some of them may not have had the opportunity, but it doesn't mean that they won't make. Good fund managers, you know, just they just never grew up in in a position of privilege where they were able to go to the best Mm -hmm. schools to then have a friend call them up and say, "Hey, do you want to be part of the VC?" So, so what do you say to that? When it's a situation where you want to give an intern an internship, but you're asking for the job experience first, right? So, so how do you think about that? And what's your advice to new managers who may not be the cookie cutter Mm -hmm. candidate?
0: I think this is a role where you, as an LP, is uh, has to to what do you call it? You have to adopt. Right. Um, yeah, I agree with you. you. You know, not the familiar GP with, the really familiar with, and you want to give them money all the time. You want to develop an ecosystem, right? Um, you should give the opportunity for people who have probably thinner. But you must, you you do your duty, you find out that this this guy has certain traits which, you know, which he can execute uh, and has been proven to execute it when he was in previous company. So, yeah, I agree with you. If you, maybe if you, if you're an LP, right, out of 100% I want to give out, maybe you can give 70% or 60% to the normal guys who's, with strong record on that and the balance 30 or 40% it should give to to new guys because these guys eventually will become good and they will replace those guys
1: so now we go into your Gobi chapter Uh you mm-hmm spent a couple of years, you know, renewed your term for a couple of times. uh, So it was a total of seven years in MAFCAP, right, I believe. So 15 years in as an analyst banking, and then went on into uh, working for the government in venture and and spurring all these things. And then you join one of the GPs, the general partners, Mm -hmm. the fund managers that you actually supported in a Mm -hmm. private enterprise. So my question to you is, how was that shift of mindset to work from a government hat uh, semi-quasi-government right you, you still work with outsiders uh-huh, but uh-huh. very much uh, driven by right. the government but then now um, uh-huh. sort of working with Tom working with uh, yeah. you know guys in the private sector that are go go go
0: yeah I and mean, after Benfica obviously for, uh, for me is going back to the private sector Um, after I left I come from private sector also to begin with right I think okay in the, in, the, in Gobi's case it's actually it's quite interesting um, it wasn't like like totally planned, but the thing is, when I left MEFCAP, and about the same time, uh, Gobi was already considering to invest. I haven't joined Gobi at that time, uh, but I've already you know, no Tom, he's just one floor up in our building, just one floor up, so we meet every day anyway. Um, yeah. when I was with <laughs> um, you know, we, we, we talk about deals, we talk about market, and all that. And uh, and then one day he said, He said, Look, um, we have this investment in Pakistan we want to invest in, and then he said, Maybe you should, you know, why don't you? Talk to these guys. I I haven't joined MAFCA. Uh, Gobi at another time. So happened uh, in that year in 2018. I think it's, yeah, end of 2018. Pakistan. I think the, the industry where uh, arranged uh, like a, you know like a big event for the IT for the digital digital stuff. It called O 20 to something like that and um, since Gobi wanted to invest in one company there, and they said hey you know there's one event industry event why don't we just go to Karachi have you gone to Karachi I said no none of us has gone to Karachi before. Uh, why don't we just go and you know maybe we get a better feel or, or, or about Pakistan about what's yeah. going on and, and you know if you read what Pakistan if you have been to Pakistan what you read in the news is it's not really that good right Right? Yeah. so we went we went and we was totally surprised we were totally surprised you know we were you know, there are hardly any VCs, foreign, definitely foreign VC. There are only a few yeah. local, a few local VCs there uh, when I, when we came um, and we met that potential company that we invested in. Also, said we like this company and all that. But just before we left, so oh, uh, when we got there, I bumped into my uh, 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 my and uh, I met him. Ali it's called Ali from uh, Fatima Group. Mm. I was with Ali attending a Stanford program for two weeks uh, organized by by 500. So we know each other, so I said, hey, oh yeah, now I know. Ali is Pakistani. Yeah, you're here. Yeah. I said, what are you doing here? And then he said, uh, I'm doing investment, but you know, uh, I'm using my own money, corporate money, and mm-hmm. to do invest. I want to do, I want to do bigger things. I said, hey, you know, uh, why don't we work together? We want, we want to invest in the company also here. But then again, why don't we work together and set up a fund? Right? I said, yeah, okay, that's good. So a few months after that, he came back. He came to to to, to K L. Uh, we really explored and then said. Hey, I think there's a good chance for us if you want to to set up a fund, Pakistan, and he can help us raise money from Pakistan. And we went to Pakistan a few uh, every yeah. regularly after then raising money, and yeah. we managed to get a fund done. So. Yeah. So that's, that's how it started and I joined uh, Gobi after that uh, in, in April, in May of 2019. Got it. So talk to yes. us a little
1: bit about what does it take for you as a new GP, right? A new partner mm-hmm. that, you know, you've known Tom for a while, you've got that relationship right. and then mm-hmm. to start a new partnership because partnerships, yes. as you know, in startups, I think we, we talked about this, the number one reason mm-hmm. startups fail is, um, okay, lack of money, um, <laughs> you know, no no fit, you know, there's no market, but also a big chunk of it is um, partnerships breaking down so when you're thinking about fund management and working together for a fund uh, which is at least the life cycle of fund five to ten years how do you think about that how do you think about working with someone that actually Mm -hmm. you only met um, through a course but Mm -hmm. you know it wasn't like your lifetime friend how do you think about that
0: yeah i think the shortest answer to, to to that is chemistry and of course there are other elements that that help as well ali is to begin with he's, he's young he's less than less than 30 years old uh you know and he's eager he come from family who has done all this all his brothers are looking after certain things in fatma group and then he's yeah. trying to carve himself out and i want to focus on on doing investments in fact yeah very small investment and um but he 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 doesn't have a big brother to help him, you know? Got it. And here we come. And then uh, because the chemistry works so well with within him and us, there's, like, there's a complete trust, you know, um, uh, between him and us. And for that, I'm thankful to God. Uh, I think we found a good partner. He treats us as a uh, equal partner, really. You know, uh, whatever economics that we get from this fund, we split equally, you know? That's, that's how we started off. I think he's very happy with that. And he knows that we trust him as well. And we have people like Tom, who's you can easily mix with, and Tom works well with him as well. So, and I, I got Tariq, is uh, 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 you know uh, my, my my colleague. Um, yeah. He clicks very well with Ali as well. He is, uh, he come from Pakistan uh, descent as well. So, mm. <laughs> you know, the chemistry is all there. Um, so, you know, I think we're just lucky. We're just lucky. Uh, uh, you know, to have a partnership that has a lot of common ingredients to, to, to help support that partnership. Mm. We're just lucky.
1: Hold that thought. My First Million, hosted by Sam Parr and Shanpuri, Puri, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. My First Million features amazing guests like Alex Homozi, Sofia and Hassan Minaj, sharing their secrets for how they made their first million and how to apply their learnings to capitalize on today's business trends and opportunities. An episode I really liked? A recent one on how Sam's mother-in-law built a million-dollar Etsy business out of nothing. And I believe it involves pillows. So listen to My First Million wherever you get your podcasts. So Jamal, you are always so modest. You, you know, sure, there's an element of luck, but I personally believe you yes. set yourself up to be lucky, right? Like there's a lot of <laughs> things that you've done. The fact that you went to Pakistan and made an effort and and uh, also went to Stanford and all you you sort of set yourself up for luck in, in a certain way. So so I want to hear from, from you, you know, as you hindsight 2020, as you look at that partnership mm-hmm. uh with Fatima, you know, what what was how did you build that up for success was there a clear discussion from day one you know because a lot of fund managers actually tune into this and and we want to know you know when when we work with partners co-founders how, how do we think about this how do we think about building a fund up for success is it one that does you know on the ground because he's there and you support the franchise through uh, other resources how do you think about that split
0: i think you can design you know something that can work for both parties but look then it's all about trust to begin with, you know mm. it does a matter what's the economy is gonna you're gonna be sharing between two of you or three of you you know it's just in the future right it's now it's uh how to make things work between you and your partner because you're gonna you're gonna partner with them for the next 10 years you're basically married for the next 10 years right what do you have all we have is trust that's it mm-hmm. you know and uh, he should be doing something that you you want to do but he has also expect expect you to do something that he wants as well right so there must be constant uh what you call it engagement between the two parties you mm-hmm. know this is like I said, I think chemistry plays a big role in it. You don't want to have a relationship is guided by just black and white agreement. You know, you can do this. You know, no agreement can cover all these requirements that you want and match with what he wants. Seriously, you know. Again, so, you know, you, you really have to... You know, sometimes you have to trust a lot. I think, as, you know, you said that I'm modest, but I think I... You know, I, I, I believe that, you know, someone up there has planned things for, for, for some. I'm sure it's planned for everyone, yeah. right? Yeah, just right. that, you know, you and try to make it happen. Well, one interesting thing, though, talking about luck, I wouldn't say luck is a word, but like I said, I think it's been designed. You know, mm-hmm. how you went to Stanford and met Ali and now we are, actually, there's a bit, the story behind it as well. <laughs> You know when I was in Medcap, right? Yeah. This is even before I joined Medcap. No, mm-hmm. I told you earlier that Medcap has two programs for this: funded local GPs, right? And one of the GPs is called Thick Capital, right? And this is even before I joined, right? And Thick Capital, among the companies that invested, is a company that uh, Kylie set up, right? Kylie was young. Yeah. Kylie set up that, uh, and he got invested by by TIC. And um, by the time I joined, Thick has just, I think they already exi- exited uh, Kylie's company, and Kylie mm-hmm. was after 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 exiting of course he has some money and time and all that to do things that he wants to do and he got hooked to 500 uh, ecosystem and he did very well in fact not long after that he become a partner right of 500 uh, founder startup and because it's from Malaysia and uh, Dave said hey look you know Malaysia is real market why don't you go and set up a fund and go and raise money from there and uh, I first met Kylie after I joined that was in 2012, I think. They was sitting next mm. to me. You know Kylie, right? He's bubbly yeah. and all that. And I was I, I just joined a totally new with it. Wow, this guy like... Man, this guy is such so <laughs> a nice to have him, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know. And then not long after that, he came to my office and said, "Hey, you know, I I met you last time I want to come see you, and um, you know, I got this fund that I want to, to, to set up." And so, so I said, "I come to office," and they said, "Okay, I want to set up a fund. Have we got some people committed to this fund?" And then I said, "Why don't you, why don't Mf-Cap put money into this?" So and I kind of like the idea. We don't put money, a lot of money into his fund anyway, but we are the one of the biggest seeders for that fund. It's called Dorian One that's how it started and he managed to set up a fund and then we could to, to invest in other fund Dorian two and other things and he's done well now and then what, that Stanford thing came that was a 500 startups program and uh, they said hey look why don't you get all people participate and the colleagues said hey get, get JB to come and uh, participate I, I was quite hesitant to begin with because I have to be in the US for two weeks uh, going back to study going two weeks is okay but I'm going back you know, in the classroom <laughs> and study uh, <laughs> Yeah. Right. And I can say, I say you know, you meet a lot of people, you know, these are interesting people and you know, all that. okay, then I go. And that's why I meet mean at the end. You know, now and the rest is of course history. You know, just it, talking about the power of chance and I don't know, luck. I don't know what. This being designed by someone above. You know, we that thing plays a role as well. Of course. So
1: now going into I don't know where to go from there, but really you wanna hear, you know, so so let's talk about <laughs> <laughs> this is powerful. No, this is very important. Let's talk oh, yeah. about um, Malaysia. So you helped Kylie, right? Mm-hmm. Since since we're mm-hmm. on that topic, uh when it mm-hmm. was very nascent and and I saw you made a uh, you presented recently about just the state of Malaysia, uh what something mm-hmm. like eighty million invested last year. You know, Southeast mm-hmm. Asia is on the rise now, so mm-hmm. Malaysia has certainly mm-hmm. benefited mm-hmm. from that as well. How have yeah. you seen the landscape evolve over the years, you know, with startups that are growing? What are we seeing here in Malaysia and what can we be excited by?
0: You know, I think when you look at Malaysia. I think we should look at Southeast Asia as a, as a bigger as a bigger market, right? We're talking about Southeast Asia here, right? 600 million people. I mean, everyone knows that. There's about 10% of the world's population. You know, we have rising middle class. You know, uh, you, you're one of them. I'm one of them. You know, and over the years, we've seen things has improved a lot within these ASEAN countries. Malaysia, definitely. You know, poverty rate has dropped a lot. Consumer market is big you know, highly literate and stuff like that. So all these ingredients has been around for quite a while since, in Malaysia's case, since this started to go up since the 70s, right? Now, Malaysia alone, if you think about it, the best thing about Malaysia is, uh, you know, we have a very pro-business policy from day one, right? And then we have a pro-VC helping the private sector, small, medium-scale industries for the longest time, as you can recall, right? And this is where VC came in. VC came from Malaysia back in the mid-80s. I was still studying at that time. There's one of few guys. There are a few guys who set up a VC fund. Private sector is not uh, lodged by the government. But by early 1990, uh, the government already started thinking of, let's set up a VC industry. And that's when NTDC came into the picture. You know, NTDC started off in the early 90s and they're still around and after MathCap in 2001 they pour money into, into, into all these companies and we can see the product uh, we can see the companies uh, we can see the, a lot of uh, new startups that- Coming from all that program, right? So it is a best place, I think a lot of people from outside if you're coming into Malaysia, right? They see Malaysia as the best uh, test bed for testing products because hey, mm-hmm. we have you know we are multi-racial, multi-religious, politically very stable, test for products, services, and it's a gateway to Indonesia, which is a big market, right? Again, we have all that ingredients. Yeah.
1: So, uh, so a few things. So, are we politically stable now?
0: You know, I think we have no choice. Eventually, you know, there's no such thing as. Vet- and, you know, when there's a vacuum, there's, you get filled in so so mm-hmm. fast after that, right? Things will correct itself in one way or another, right? Mm-hmm. And if you want to give a probability whether it's going to change for the better or for the worse, I think people here are smart enough to know that let's change for the better, right? We are not, I think, politically, if you talk about politically, right, we're not in like in some of the countries, we have a very strong police, I don't know, I, I don't know what the test word no? military you know, driven, you know, uh, influences and all that. We are pretty pre- civil We can comes, right? Yeah, I think to so correct uh there's a lot of smart People, the young generation—they are smart. Of course, they need to be guided. Definitely. Yeah, but we have seen success cases everywhere. Of course, now at this point in time, we are somewhere in between. Hey, let's do this. We are. Everyone is aware now. There's a lot of political interest to be served. Before you know, I'm still confident. You know, it will be, it will be for the better. Seriously.
1: So you're an optimist for sure. We've, yes. uh, you've ridden this wave, uh, different waves uh, throughout the years. So so I, yeah. I see that. But what would you say yeah. to external parties, right? you work with your role in MAFCA was to bring external capital as they're looking mm-hmm. in uh, as you you know you said earlier in the conversation when you're in it you don't see it but for people looking mm-hmm. in from the outside it does uh, cause us to pause a little bit you know in terms of mm-hmm. is this really a time to further invest into Malaysia at this time uh, what do you say to that?
0: Yeah so you know I think for people for investors outside coming in right you, I'm sure you and I we have gone through this as well the things that you read about New about the country or news from that country if you're from the outside actually if you don't go to that place it's actually different when you when you get there you know exactly my experience with Pakistan you know before <laughs> You know, Tom, his wife was asking when the first time you go there back in 2018. Uh, and his wife asked, him, You really, really want to go there and Pakistan don't have a good relationship with uh, Chinese people, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> really. And you yeah. know, his wife told me, You better not go, let those guys go, right? No, by the way, we're on the ground, it's totally different. You know, the same thing. It's the same thing here in Michigan. So anyone can say anything and say, report uh, things which is not as balanced as uh, we wanted. But, you know, until you come here and look and feel, you don't have the full picture of what the country is, you know, it's what it is,
1: right? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. I definitely agree that that you have to, you know, mm-hmm. boots on the ground to really see it for yeah. what it is, right? And uh, yes. independence of media is something that's so important that unfortunately today yes. uh, we, we struggle with a lot. So yes. then um, to your pro business point, uh, I had Aerodyne, mm-hmm. as you know, Kamaro and Azita were kind enough to spend oh, their yeah. time and yeah. shared some really powerful insights. But what they actually shared, one of the things they said was in the beginning, they had mm-hmm. to, it was a little bit rough for them in Malaysia and they said oh, that yes. they had to go out outside, work in Australia, get these contracts that prove their validity and credibility to then sh- come back in, into Malaysia. What yes. do you say to that if you say we're pro-business?
0: It happens all the time. You know, it's not just their case. There are many other cases where a company comes with a product and they try to sell to government. We invested in some of those companies and we've gone through that. It is, uh, I think there's a lot of, you know, people who make decisions at the corporate and right, at the GLC level, they are not into... They're not so much on the ground, number one, I think. Number two is because I think they're not brave enough to make this, to take risk, right? You know, you can evaluate the product. Of course, they can be less you know less features less stuff and of course cheaper right uh, compared to imported yeah. products imported products has uh, a fair record a lot of uh, things that come with it but you know but local product could be just as good right exactly. they just didn't have the, the time frame to prove it to you that they will do well but uh, I think a lot of people who make that decision not to buy local products is simply because they are not brave enough yeah, you I know, to test you know they they don't want to make mistakes you know the problem about top management here is mm-hmm. like you 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 know, if a CEO makes a mistake, you know he could lose his job. I told you my contract is two years renewable, right? And I cannot afford to make mistake. One mistake and and next contract, ma. You know, again, yeah. the CEOs have not given enough, what do you call it, uh, confidence for him to even take higher risk. So because yeah. of that, a lot of companies will come to play safe. CEO, even board level as well, for that matter, they, they're not willing to make, to make mistakes. They just go with yeah. the flow. They just know what has been proven in the past and repeat that again. Why try something new? Let other people try something new. Right? Oh, Jama, uh, I so
1: appreciate you saying that. And you know, my question then is, what's actionable about this, right? How do we change? Because this is the problem of, large corporates right let's not just say mm, it's a malaysia cool. problem sure it is a malaysia problem but it is corporates right because your yes. incentives as a senior executive uh, may not mm. necessarily well in a lot of companies it mean things are changing now but it may not be tied to you taking risk you're in fact yes. incentivized to maintain status mm-hmm. quo and and i reflect mm-hmm. on some of my experiences in working for a con- exactly. conglomerate where people have been <laughs> there for so long because they've been just tagging along you know they they were not yeah. dangerous for the company they were not yes. challenging this and disrupting, but then disruption doesn't happen. So, so how yes. do we change this? What, what was your message to senior management that are leading yes. in these sort of companies now?
0: I I've been talking about this even when I was still in Metcalf. I think the first thing that the the, the need to do is first the the board. You know, you probably have to get a board members who, are, who can understand, who's willing to take risks themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, number one. Number two is, even if you're not playing safe, right, um, you can always create a new unit which, you know, give a lot of independence that you need to explore new things. And you must understand that you can lose money. You know, but you can always learn from that mistakes all the time. I mean, corporate can afford to do that, right? But un- unfortunately, some corporate don't take that view. They th- you know, failure is a failure, and uh, you know, I got to protect my job because I cannot make mistake. And you know, if want to take you know, do something new, get other guys to do it.
1: I think that's what happened. So you have mm-hmm. to change the incentive structure. How, how do you design this to? How do you design to encourage actual innovation from within your company?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe as a at the top, like the company or uh, the, the, the board can say that. Okay, look. This is, your, okay. this is your, your CEO, you want to do this, deliver this, right? But give him a space for him to try something new. Um, he is totally, uh, he should be, spend more time and the right people and the right team to do these new things, right? Mm-hmm. And then at the board level, your valuation on him is not because of his failure in that new thing that he wants to do, right? Mm-hmm. He, should, he should be valued first on what he has delivered uh, in the beginning you shouldn't penalize him for making a mistake in these new ventures that he is doing because otherwise he himself is not gonna take the risk. Yeah. Right. So he should be allowed to 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 explore and you know, you know think about thing about taking risks is there are two outcomes, right? You can fail, but at the same time you can you can make it. Right. I, I don't know why people keep focusing on you will fail, you'll fail because something new and all you know, that guy has done it and you know, he lost money. It doesn't mean that it will happen to you, right? Um, yeah. If you've got the right people, you got the right strategy, right? Go ahead, yeah. do it, right?
1: Well, I, I've uh, pushed you a lot, Jamal, and this has been fantastic. I mean, we went to directions that I didn't even expect, <laughs> but I love it about luck. And, and no, but these are the actual learnings that matter, right? People, oh, yeah. you know, when yes. you think about it, you need to... Um, be conscious about all these little things that add up into your your life is a sum of all your experiences. Um, as Steve Jobs says, the dots connect. Looking back, so just exactly yeah. that's exactly what you did. Exactly right there. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I believe in yeah. that.
1: So, final segment: billion dollar questions, eight quick questions, and your quick uh-huh. responses. Okay. Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh.
1: What is your highest high, JB? I
0: think the highest high would be setting up. Uh, the Ajeta fund when I was in Medcare, um, because we have never done that even before, uh, taking money from the private sector for the first time. And then we put our own money and we get a, a partner to to co-manage that fund. That was the first time ever we did as uh, as a company in Medcare. And of course, the second one is Pakistan. Uh, you know, I told you about the story about I'd meeting Ali. You know, and then. You know, now the Pakistan fund we managed to probably raise 30 million. Uh so again, those are the two highest points I would say uh from
1: When you think of the word successful, who do you think <laughs> of and why?
0: I think Patrick Growth is one of them, definitely. Mm. You know, I was in the investment bank last time, right? Back in mid two I thousands, I I our our investment in bank of friends and I say I, I remember Patrick went to see him and to try to raise money and all that. Patrick at that time was really young, you know, a really young guy. You know, spunky guy, wants to raise money, wants to do big things, digital, right? And my friend was laughing was laughing at him. Well, this guy, I'm not going to give him money, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will never believe his Porter. Look, 15 years after that, yeah. Patrick is what he is now, you know? So <laughs> I met that guy He told me that, you know, I think we made a mistake yeah. <laughs> for not funding him, you know? So Patrick is one of them. Uh, of course, Tom is not the guy. Uh, you know, the best mm-hmm. thing about Tom is because he, you know, he has a bad best of both worlds, you know, born in the U.S., work in China, uh, and now here in South Asia, so he can marry the experience and also, you know, looking looking at Asia from the Western perspective as well, right, which is good. And I think he has been very successful in doing that. Um, He's been around for six years here, and I hope he will continue to be here uh, doing stuff, interesting, interesting thing. Um, yeah, I think those are two or So, three is your definition, that, yeah. I
1: mean, the way you, you frame it, the definition of success, it's, it's very much tied to business success. Is that your I, definition of success?
0: I think the thing that you want to measure is the impact that these people bring. Those, you know, Tom, Petrie, you know, these are just people. Uh, but what you want to know is what they have delivered and that really make a real change. You know, uh, that that's the point. Common misconceptions yeah. about JB. I don't know what it is mis- misconception. I I didn't check. I didn't check with people. <laughs> <laughs> I'll check with uh, them after this. <laughs> yeah, I I I didn't check with people, but I think you know me as a as a as a person. Probably a lot of people see me as a probably less less diplomatic or less tech. Uh, when I deal with some people, um, mm-hmm. I I tend to to. I I think that's the in some cases I won't say in all, all cases yeah uh, but I'm not like that um, you know I I'm probably not good at you know going around and explain things I don't want to waste my time delivering the point so I just tell him straight you know <laughs> that's what it is right yeah. yeah I think I think that's what I think people think but
1: all right most important or hardest
0: lesson that you've had to learn as a leader you know as a as a leader in the corporate and all that right. Uh, you, especially here in this country or in this culture, right? When the boss says something, your your underlings will will take it as it is, right? Um but at the same time you must understand the bosses also want to hear from from people around him, from your subordinate, right? And that is actually not always the case. So as a boss you must uh, you must be able to 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 listen and encourage people to give input mm-hmm. and you must be able to listen to them well and don't just you know don't don't take that suggestion as you know it's more it's not going to work and all that. Maybe there's some points in it that you have to consider. So I think as a boss or as a you know as a higher, you must be able to 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 really listen and you know process and evaluate you know uh, from your yeah. people under you. Yeah. Favorite yeah. tool or hack for productivity? The uh, I I like exercising I, I do cycle a lot i try to cycle a lot if i can as much as i can actually especially um, i don't know what
1: you're talking about to... you're like a cyclist you are a cyclist that's your <laughs> full time job you're just a part time vc <laughs>
0: <laughs> i wish i can do more than that seriously yeah uh,
1: <laughs> yeah and yeah. and that keeps you fresh you feel like it it keeps you productive
0: Oh, yeah you, you know the best thing about it is that you know when you're on the on, on a bicycle right uh, on the saddle mm. and you you have that 45 minutes on one hour all by yourself, right? Especially when you cycle alone. And this is where a lot of, you can do a lot of thinking while you're cycling, uh, consider things. And, you know, you have one hour all by yourself to do things, uh, yeah, which you didn't have uh, time. In a, you know, in, a, in a team sport, you probably do not have that t- chance at all. You know, in cycling, you can. Mm-hmm.
1: My next question, which is what are the three principles that you want your children to continue uh-huh. to have in their life as a priority in their life.
0: I think as, since you want to know about children and kids and all that, right? Uh, you know what makes you as a complete person um, or wise at any age of time, at any age, right? Is ability for you to understand the surrounding what's happening now, but at the same time you also so understand what has happened in the past, even when you were not around. Mm-hmm. I think this is where your your, your kids has to to really explore and learn because you know people say this all the time. If you don't learn from history, you you're gonna repeat it again, right? And you know I've lived. I, I I'm fifty six years old. now. By the way, I'm the oldest in in Gobi. I just found Are out you? About it. <laughs> younger. Than, yeah. You know. So um, yeah, you 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 must understand history because a lot of things is happening now, whether you like it or not. It's actually because because of certain things that was caused by misunderstanding uh, people don't understand why things happened in the, fifth, the the first place, if you understand the cause, what made that happen, then you can understand why this thing happened, and you'll know how to deal with it right mm. so I think this I think for young people, these are the things that they they really need to 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 know and learn learn history you, you know I think you know schools should make history as among the most important subjects. You know, like in our case here, uh, history is not like, you know, you learn history, but it's not counted as the core, you know, you can just pass without. Uh, but mm. you no, know, I think history is very important. And
1: now we have the benefit of multiple sources as well, right? To to learn. Oh, and yes. Yeah. To view the past interpretations. Well, wow, I, I love that, JB. I mean, it's it's so powerful yeah. and that's actually something unique that's never been said before. Uh, but really yeah. understanding the past before you, because a lot of, what you're living with is because of past <laughs> decisions, right? And that's why Absolutely. really, you know, I love speaking to people, yeah. people who've been mm-hmm. on the ground, who've done things, because uh, this is where the lessons come through, right? Because again, you know, um, yes. VC is not new. It's, it's It's been around for years. Uh, fund managers yeah. are not new. Investing is not new. But mm-hmm. we're making mm-hmm. some of the same mistakes because we didn't learn yeah. Well, JB, thank you so much. This is a wonderful way to end and what a powerful message here for all of us. You know, we talked so much about innovation. We talked about purpose. We talked about luck, which is very important and, and <laughs> oh, yeah. setting yourself up for that. That's a very important uh, learning. And I so appreciate yeah. your time, your leadership and everything that you've done for Malaysia and continue to do for Southeast Asia. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thank you to you too, for having me here as well. Um. Yeah. Let's, let's you know, let's do the most. You interview more people and uh, we can learn from them <laughs> as well.
1: Yeah? Yes, absolutely. And thanks so much for tuning in this week. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow our socials on Sarah Chen Global to get the latest on the show. It would really help me out too if you enjoyed this to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts and share your favorite episodes with a friend. I'm Sarah Chen Spellings and you've been listening to Bill & Dollar Moves.